Jeff and Nancy are going to share with us. If you don't know Jeff and Nancy, they are founding uh, leaders of this community. They have been um, constant and steady and faithful and supportive and encouraging and incredible people uh, for the life of this uh, faith community. And uh, I respect them and admire them greatly and learn from them seemingly on the daily and um, I am inspired by them and uh, their devotion to others and their heart uh, for others. The selflessness that they display is powerful. And so um, I'm really excited to get a chance to hear them share today. And um, we, in, I, I kind of have a standing invitation with them, and they don't always take me up on it. And this time I actually was just like, listen, I need someone to speak next week because I'm single dad it again for the third week here, you know, and I'm like, it, it would be helpful. <laughs> and so they stepped up and they, they're, they're helping out, but it, I am really excited to hear from them. But these are some of my best friends in the world, and I, um, I know you're going to be uh, encouraged and built up by uh, them today. So um, why don't we do like an official welcoming of them, like welcome them to the... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's all we got. Thanks hey. for coming. Thank you so much. Hey. I'm short, so I'm going to have to sit forward to reach this little ledge. We'll try not to fall. <laughs> so, thank you so much for letting us share today. We're excited. So, first off, I do want to give a little disclaimer. I feel fantastic. However, I am two weeks or so into a cold that will not go, or a cough won't go away. So, if I make some incredibly disgusting noises, I apologize in advance. It's actually normal for me. You just don't know me, but yeah, it might be actually recorded this time, so I have to apologize. Mostly to Sonny's parents, probably, who are listening to the podcast. So, um, as you, for those of you, those of you that know us, um, you know that you're probably in store for some tears today. Oh, um, sure. <laughs> of course, the tissue. Nancy <laughs> made me case. promise I'd keep it under control. <laughs> so I'll try to keep it to minimum. We uh, we have some things that we want to share. Um, oh well, first of all, we want to give a little congratulations to our very own yes. Abigail Kelly. Yes. Or just because, <laughs> just for being alive, because yesterday she passed her wonderful. test to become, she is fully licensed and authorized to be a therapist yeah. in the state yes. of Oregon. That's awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> the good news is that means she can come up and correct anything that we say that's totally <laughs> off. So there might be some footnotes that she sends out in an email later. Um, yeah, so with that being said, we're going to do our best to do kind of the uh, same Paul and Sonny podcast style, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of the first things we'll throw out there, too, is that this is really meant to also be discussion-oriented. So yeah. if there's something, I mean, this is going to be stuff that many, many people in here, maybe everybody has had some experience with personally or, or with somebody they care about. <clears throat> so there's a ton of wisdom in here. It is not all sitting in the front of the room. So if there is stuff that you guys want to share with us, this is a totally appropriate place to just just shout it. I don't have to raise your hand. Just just start talking. It's fine. And uh, so that is uh, very very much welcome today. Preferably not in the middle of one of our sentences. But. No, I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. In fact, I'm used to it. 
<laughs> Jeff, poor guy, he lives in Mad Lib. <laughs> he starts saying something, and I'm like, oh, this? No. This? No. 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 Uh, do you want me to finish my own sentence? <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> no. <actually laughs> no. <laughs> um, so about 15 years ago, I came to a very, very dark place. Um, and after... Um, finally reaching out to a counselor, um, he helped me to realize that I was struggling with uh, depression, anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And while all that information was very helpful, I didn't know what to do with that. Um, in hindsight, looking back, it, it was uh, a really important step for me to go and hear that I was struggling with actual things, not just feeling, not, not just crazy. <laughs> um, so then uh, within our community at the time, I shared it with a few people and I got some really varied um, responses, ranging anywhere from saying that I wasn't spiritual enough or spending enough time with God um, to loving support. Uh, and then the stigma, the shame, the bad advice, the disbelief, the dubiousness, like, you? How could you struggle with that? I'm like, do you know my story? Um, all of that, uh, the intimate sharing, the it, it all mixed together with encouragement and deep connections and love in this weird melting pot <laughs> that was pretty confusing. Um, and so today we're just going to share about our journey through it. And we've been through this and we've walked with others through it as well. And so this is just our layman's view of uh, mental health. This thing is very tippy. So. It is tippy. So <laughs> it makes a sudden clatter. No, this Apologies. <laughs> uh, kind of the, the piece that's connected to me right now <clears throat> is in my, some of you know I do search and rescue. So in my search and rescue world, um, over the past year, we had a really traumatic year in our particular team relative to the kinds of rescues that we were doing. So it shifted, and we don't know yet if it's kind of a permanent shift or if it was just a temporary anomaly, but we rescued, we actually don't call it rescue at that point, we recovered a lot of bodies last year that had been rescued by people. And so by the end of the year, uh, our team was really traumatized. Um, just the, the kinds of things you come across in those settings can be pretty violent. And so. Um, we began to really see that impact of, uh, on the people on our team and then began to wonder if there was a way we could lean into becoming more resilient, becoming healthier in these places. And that's led us down this really amazing, I mean, completely life-giving exploration of some tools and some, and some practices that are out there. Um, so there's going to be a lot of influence on that and in what I'm sharing, the portions I'm sharing today. Um, and what we found is that, um, well, I guess let me start with this. We wanted to start by just kind of reviewing a few basics relative to uh, what we're calling emotional stress injuries. That's the lingo that we put around it in our, in our uh, vernacular. Um, but that can be like a trauma or depression. And so uh, we actually have a little PowerPoint today so you can <laughs> follow along as well. So one of the things that really... Uh, well, just to raise the bar just a little bit. Got to, got to, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, Paul said this is the new norm, if you couldn't hear him. Yeah. So, um, one of the things, that, so th this is, uh, the first 
few slides here are just a couple things taken from a recent presentation I was at. It was super impactful, and there's probably 80 slides of just meaty, meaty stuff. I just grabbed a couple of them that were really meaningful to me, and I thought would apply for us here. Definitely refers to um, responders, so just kind of bear with the language in it, because it, the, the material of it is still very appropriate for mm -hmm. all of us. And one of the things that's really important is beginning to understand <coughs> that um, that the, the traumatic injuries that happen to us, the things that are emotional in uh, nature, emotional stress injuries, are actually physical injuries. There is changes going on in our brains when those happen. So an example of how that's getting root in the medical community is that in our, in our medical training for first responders, it actually, uh, traumatic stress injuries are actually getting moved from mental illness areas actually up to like first aid, physical first aid, because it's mm -hmm. actually seen as a physical mm -hmm. injury. So that's being recognized more and more. One of the, the big things as we're going through, and, and if you're sitting here kind of trying to figure out where this applies to you or applies to somebody you care about, yeah, yeah, that we often talk about is looking for changes. So we're not gonna, this isn't gonna be all like technical stuff today. I hope you're not getting scared <laughs> of that. But, but there are a couple of things we wanted to leave you with, and that is watch, watching for changes. Uh, and that means that there's a shift off of baseline. We can see that in our own selves, or we can see that in the people we care about that we know pretty well. There's changes that will happen early on that are more minimal, but are shifts, and that's, that can be a trigger for us. Does it mean something's wrong? No, not necessarily, because people change, things change, circumstances change. But what it should do is kind of raise our awareness, kind of in the same way, like if you've, I don't know if you've done this before, I know I've done it a couple of times, you go out and you buy a car, and then you drive out and you're like, how could this many people own the same car that I have, right? <laughs> you're like, you, you never saw it before, and all of a sudden it's everywhere, right? So with that awareness, comes the ability to see it in a new way. And that's what's true here as well, is that if we are, a lot of times these things escalate or grow to a place where they become beyond just a, a light illness to become an actual injury. Um, to, uh, because we, we don't stop and see the changes that are happening mm -hmm. over time. So that's one of the messages is that we, part of it is looking for these changes. And you can see them, I'm not gonna go through and read it so you can read it, but the, you'll see that there's some early on signs and then there's some later on signs. And uh, those are all watching for the changes is just as important as the actual thing going on. So this is, this is a really powerful tool, and this will be the last of these kinds of slides that I <coughs> really has been meaningful to me because it gave me a framework to think about these kinds of uh, traumatic stress injuries or emotional stress injuries. And so we think of it on this spectrum, right? Green being healthy and red being unhealthy. And this movement down between green and red and you can see as you look through that list that there are different, the degrees can change. If we were to actually go through this exercise, um, and maybe we can do this sometime as a, as a group, I mean, it was super powerful for me, where we actually begin, if we think of the, these columns and what those columns look like in our own lives, begin mm -hmm. really personalizing it. Like, what do I look like when I'm in my greenest space, when I'm in my mm -hmm. healthiest space? What does that look like? When it's not quite as healthy, what does it look like? I'm the yellow in this. When I move all the way down to the red, what do I look like? When I'm in that really unhealthy space. And an example that might give some framework that was helpful for me was kind of thinking of it in the context, if you're out hiking and you start and you, your feet feel great, but pretty soon you get a blister, right? 
And so a blister would be like kind of moving into that yellow. We could, something that all you got to do is honestly stop and put a bandaid on or move the socks around, put some dry socks on, whatever, it doesn't matter. There's some things you can do. But it's very easy to ignore it and just kind of keep going. And what happens is that if you ignore that long enough, it actually can shift the way you're walking, right? You start favoring one leg over another and you actually change the way you're walking. And it, it actually becomes something where it moves from just a blister to actually impacting your whole structure, your whole frame of how you're carrying your weight. And if you keep ignoring it, what can happen is you can actually, it makes it much easier to roll your ankle, break your ankle, right? Well, when it was a blister, it was something you could take care of yourself. By the time you break your ankle, it doesn't mean you're a worse person, it just means that now you need a professional to help you. I mean, that's, that's all that's going on there. And if we can avoid that by just doing some things, that's fantastic, but at the same time, if you haven't avoided it and you've broken your ankle, you don't not go to the doctor because, well, I should have put a bandaid on. I'm not going to go to the doctor <laughs> with my broken ankle. No, you still go, the, maybe feel a little sheepish, but you still go to the doctor <laughs> and you take care of it. And that's part of what is really important to remember with these kinds of things, too, is that there are times of time when we get to lean on the experts around us. We even have one down in the <laughs> where we get, to, we get to, by the way, I'm not offering up her services for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she still has to make a living. Um, that we, <laughs> that's my gift to you today. Yeah, I just filled the calendar with free appointments. <laughs> we got to go through, and uh, we got to be able to make that decision to go see that professional, and, and that's okay. We, there's, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but there's some challenges in overcoming that stigma or some perceptions out there relative to doing that. But you don't ignore, ignore a broken ankle just like, I hope it gets better. You, you do something about it. So, um, let's see here. Okay, so with from there, what we wanted to do is we're gonna move into seven things that we have learned along the way. Seven. Seven, it's a good number. <laughs> So Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down, but encouraging word brings him joy. So one of the things that's that's really, well, let me stop by saying this. So somebody in this space, we wanted to kind of give some context for these things. So somebody in this space would perhaps say something like, I feel like I'm all alone and I can't see my way out of this. So this is kind of, this is more off of, less off, more looking at like depression, anxiety, some of those kinds of pieces. Mm -hmm. And the reason we're connecting those dots today is that if we look at some of those long-term illnesses like depression, anxiety, oftentimes they are linked back to traumatic events at some point in time. Not guaranteed, but very often there's, there's a correlation between trauma happening at some point or emotional stress injuries leading up to and not being addressed leading into a, a longer-term illness like depression. And that's not the only reason, but certainly is part of it. So someone might say, I feel like I'm all alone and can't see my way out of this. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that they've found is that there's all these tools out there for helping people. Um, but there's really one that seems to be able to help the most often with people that are struggling in, in this kind of mental health stuff. And that is connection. It was likened, for me, it was likened to uh, well, you're going to have a lot of first responder examples today. <laughs> it was likened to uh, a fireman, structural fireman, going into a fire, building fire. 
and they're in there fighting that fire, and the smoke fills the building, and they their mask they can't see anything anymore. They can't see their way out of the building anymore, and they're in danger because they don't know where to go. One of the methods they have <clears throat> would be to grab that fire hose that they've been carrying with them, and they can follow that fire hose hand over hand out of the structure through the smoke. And connections are like that. Mm -hmm. When you can't see anything else, sometimes it's those connections that help you see the light, that give you the next place to put your step. So um, what we want to make sure we emphasize right off the bat is how important connections are. Juxtaposed, what's one of the things that's most damaging to people that we see that happens in, when they're in an unhealthy place emotionally? Isolation. isolation. Absolutely. So whether it's personally driven, like we, are, we have this, these behaviors that lead us away from being in connection, or whether we bring a spiritual component and say, hey, you know, Satan knows that, and he's going to lean into that for us and help us drive towards isolation. It doesn't matter, honestly, how we get there. The isolation is what kills us. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that cuts us off from lifelines. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. I don't actually, I don't have expertise to speak to that, um, I, other than being an old man. Um, <laughs> for personal experience, I can speak anecdotally for a friend. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think what I what I have seen in my own life is that um, some of those things have become more purposeful. So when I was younger, it just ran with a lot of people. And so it was just kind of stuff happened. Um, through life, we tend to get more focused in our activities and more, maybe more isolated in our activities. Um, people move, and it's hard to start that whole process over again of friendship. Um, or you know, friendships break up for whatever reason. It's hard to start that process over. And especially if, uh, and maybe this is where the guys piece comes in, is that we tend to be much less in tune with our feelings. Although this is totally a stereotypical statement, and it's not always guys, and it's not always girls that are always in touch, and you can do anybody, but mm -hmm. from a stereotype, guys have a harder time dealing with that, or recognize that, or being in self-awareness and emotions, and relational stuff. And so, I think it can be um, really easy to not want to um, go back to that space mm -hmm. of starting that process over. One of the, I'm thinking about how deep I want to go in this. So, I'll say it this way, came to the high level. One of the really fascinating things, I'm loving this stuff. Honestly, I, I could talk about this all day. You can probably tell. <laughs> is that, um, is understanding how we have these behaviors in life that frustrate us to no end because we want to do something different and yet our behavior keeps doing something else. And when we talk about it in the context of these traumatic or emotional stress injuries, we if you think of the, there's the, the conscious part of the brain and the subconscious part of the brain, the limbic system, and we have this, that, that part of our brain, that, that ancient part of our brain that's, that looks out for our survival, that's what it's there for. Um, this might be one of, the, one of those things where you get that footnote from Abby later, it's like, actually, Jeff meant to say this. <laughs> this is my layman's understanding. That there's that, that animal part of our brain that's helping us survive um, 
looks for the signs of what it's experienced in the past relative to trauma, relative to those emotional stress injuries. And when it sees indicators of those same kinds of events coming, it will actually shape your behavior before that even makes it to your conscious brain. So suddenly your behavior, you're like, yeah, I need to make friends. But you never make that, can never make that step. Never make that step to go see, make that, to start a friendship. Cat like me. No, I know. It's, it's uh, super. It's just tired and old. It happens with age. Never mind. Oh, thank you. Are you done with me? I can, water? I'll be fine. Yeah. Thank you. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like a, <laughs> that was a good sound effect. It's about the only one I make <laughs> that's that any fantastic. good. So true. Okay. Yeah, I mean, one of the pieces I've gotten into, uh, hopefully this doesn't freak anybody out in here, but as, as a meditation component relative to that very thing of exploring and understanding where that stress is being held up in the body. And it's actually been really, really helpful for me. Um, in fact, one of the things I think is really cool, so if you're all sitting right now just kind of chilling, look, do this with me, is if you can sit up and kind of make your back a little stronger. If you can't, that's okay. Yeah. And if... <laughs> Sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll know that you're, especially if you're sitting in the computer all day, you can kind of feel yourself aiming towards the computer with your shoulders, right? Closing in on it. And so you do this thing of pulling your shoulders back, trying to get your posture right. I want you to think of it in a different way. This, my friend taught me this that's a therapist. I thought it was brilliant. So it actually isn't the right form for us to pull our shoulders back. That's not actually better than where we started with shoulders forward. The way to think of it is to, the way he present, says, is to present your heart to the world. So if you just make that subtle change, that rather than pulling your shoulders back, expand your chest to the world, just present your heart to the world. And that's the, that's the framework of where you actually frame should be sitting. And I thought that was really, it's a subtle change, but a really powerful change of just, so anyway, a little tidbit, but very much so. <laughs> What's that? You can slouch again now. I know it's tiring, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? <laughs> right? Well, for some of us, it's a little easier than others. Yeah. I don't know the word you just said. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second thing we've learned is to play the long game. And what somebody... <laughs> I know. It's... What? Alec, you're in luck. Someone in this space might say, I'm taking medicine and I'm believing for healing, but it's still so hard. Um, and it can feel like you're distressed, whether it's anxiety or depression or whatever, arrives suddenly. But it's not always because it did, but rather that we weren't paying attention um, and, or, or we didn't know what to look for. Um, in some ways, honestly, it doesn't matter how you got there, um, whether it was quickly or slowly. Um, there's the bottom line is that it, it's probably going to take a little while to get back to health. Um, 
And a thing to remember as you're making steps is um, that it's about each of those steps that you take. It's not about, I'm going to get there when we get there. You know, it's not arriving. It is about the journey. It's about each move forward. Um, and even a single step towards health um, can feel like a ray of sunshine on a cloudy day, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I have been dealing with anxiety for a long time, uh, mostly PTSD, which is the post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and which, can I speak to that really quick? Yes. So I thought this was interesting. <laughs> one, of the, one of the teachers I've been with is talking about this post uh, PTSD, PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder, and she's like, I kind of feel like that's misnamed because what's actually happening is that the brain is doing what it's supposed to do to survive. So it's actually, it's doing what it's wired to do. Post-traumatic stress order? It's, 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 it's injury, yeah, it's, it's an injury. It's a physical injury going on. So um, in the same way you don't call your broken ankle an ankle disorder, right? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the body broke and we gotta fix it back. The body's doing way, working the way it's supposed to. So just a okay. quick frame is that. Right. Um, and the other thing is that we tend to think of traumatic injuries as being PTSD. PTSD is just one piece of a whole spectrum of those illnesses and injuries. Yeah. So that's the one that gets the airtime. That's the one that gets all the, all the airtime in the media and that kind of stuff. But it's mm -hmm. just one piece to a yeah. package. Well, I struggle with PTSD mm -hmm. <laughs> and anxiety. And actually, um, this just this week, I went to my doctor for my annual physical. And she was asking me just different questions. And I related to her that... Um, randomly, I was laying on the couch watching TV, had been in a prone position, not working out. It wasn't a super exciting television show, but my heart just started pounding and pounding like really hard, like, like I was running from something, except I didn't feel panicked. And so I told her about that. And so she's like, yeah, we're going to do an EKG. So she hooks me up to the machine or her nurse hooks me up to the machine and does the test and says, I'll be right back. And so she goes in, and then I wasn't really supposed to see my doctor for this part, but she comes in, and I'm like, oh, no. And so she said, we need to talk. And it was um, that there was something going on with my heart. And so she said, actually, the machine is asking if you've had a heart attack. And I was like, what? <laughs> so then my anxiety, of course, goes up through the roof. And, and she said, every time I see my husband. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, I guess, um, so I've been struggling with some PTSD recently, um, and I thought it actually was depression. It wasn't. I kind of went through the symptoms list and went, oh, yeah, it's not that. Um, and, um, and it's super frustrating to me that after all of the hard work that I've done, that I'm still struggling with it. Now, it has just cropped up in the last little while um, versus like it was years where I was experiencing the different various symptoms. Um, and I've noticed that I've made a lot of progress, but I'm still struggling with it and it's, that can be frustrating. And so it doesn't, um, just because you're making progress doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna go away forever. It's like the rest of life where it's a cycle up and down and, and it's, um, you know, different things trigger. And so me working on some stuff has triggered and um, because I didn't have uh, a good 
space to work it out in. Uh, it's just kind of been this low level <laughs> all the time. So um, she suggested that we not take my blood pressure at that moment because it was going to be sky high. So now I get to wear this little heart monitor for a week, and they're just checking out to make sure that things are all right. And so, <clears throat> um, yeah. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, um, yeah, just the long game is just, it's a journey. It's, um, it's not an overnight thing. I know we like things to be overnight and quick and we want it to be done with, but it's just, that's the reality of life is it's not quick. Um, uh, the third thing to remember is that it's dynamic. Um, and I was like, what? What does that mean? Um, Sorry for offending you, Scott. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I guess so. Okay. Um, so something in a person in that um, phase might say, I don't even remember the last time I felt healthy. Um, and so we need to remember that emotional health, um, pardon me, and emotional stress injuries are a spectrum. And so even as you slide down the scale towards red or unhealth, you can also make steps mm -hmm. to go back towards health at mm -hmm. any point on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's always a chance for you to, to make a change mm -hmm. one way or the other. Um, and our hope is that you'd even make just very small changes, you know, because those are the ones that are easy and they're not like, I can't even do this today, you know. Um, one of the ways I sometimes think of it now, too, is that on that spectrum I showed you with the, the four colors, let's say you're down in the orange space. If you can even just turn back towards the green, that's super important, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's <laughs> even just remembering that there's such a thing as green. Mm -hmm. One of the things we see in the first responder world, particularly for folks that are professionals, is they operate in that orange space so much, that's where they are all the time, that they literally forget that there's another way to live. Like, they, they can't believe that somebody would actually be able to be in that profession and be green. It just it shocks them. So there has to be a lot of work with them to go, no, there actually is. In fact, there's sometimes a culture of, of pride of bringing somebody who is green down to their level of orange. Yeah. Like, we're going to break them. <laughs> you know, oh, just give me a year. Right? That, those kind of comments. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so sometimes take it out at first responder world and into our lives is that if we operate in that place of unhealth for long enough, we can forget that such a thing as green mm -hmm. even exists out there. Yeah. I remember I didn't believe it existed. I honestly didn't think there was such a thing as a healthy family or healthy people. I just thought it was an act. <laughs> you know, huh? What's your happy face on? Um, so a, a really good thing to remember, and this was a huge um, great reminder for me was depression or anxiety is where you're at. It's not who you are. Mm -hmm. It is not your identity. Um, it, it's a space that you're in. And um, again, you can always make a, a, a choice to move back towards the greener, healthier spaces um, when you're in a place of health. And, and it's really hard when you're in those places of unhealth. And I remember you know, when I was deep in my depression, I literally could barely get out of bed in the morning. Well, at noon, I could barely get out of bed. Um, and I had a small child at the time. And so that, I mean, you have to be able to function. Um, and, and I wasn't functioning. So it, it was really hard to believe that I was ever going to get better. 
Um, but getting out of bed was a good step. And even going to the doctor to talk about it was another big step. So just small things. Okay. So we're about halfway through. Let me push pause real quick here. Okay, we'll get a pulse of how people are doing. One of the things I want you to be doing while we're going through this today is maybe you're in the place where you're like, nah, I'm not really, that's fine, which is great. But here's what I want you to be thinking about. One is that who around you is in this space, right? Raising that awareness mm -hmm. thing again. <clears throat> what is it, what's the role that we have? And we're gonna spend a little bit of time now, um, not yet, but in, in a couple later ones, talking about what our role is walking alongside people that are in mm -hmm. these spaces. Also, we're part of a family here, yeah. right? So I want us to be thinking about how are we doing as a community providing a place for people to go through these kinds of times? What are we doing well? And what are some things that we could grow in? Mm -hmm. So kind of have that context and be processing that and trying to internalize that. And, and if there's something we have like this, aha, if you'd be willing to, then share. I mean, as a group, there's some things that maybe we can think about. Hey, listen, what if we leaned into doing this this way? What if we tried being this way for when people come in and they're in this really hard space? Mm -hmm. How do we provide that place for them to come in and turn towards that? So. The next one, <coughs> it takes a <coughs> excuse me, it takes a choice. <coughs> um, Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if something is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about these things. It's a choice. It's a choice. So someone in this space might say something like, well, there's nothing I can do, it's just the way it is. Do you hear the resignment about that? Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. What can I do about it anyways? Mm -hmm. So turning towards health is always a choice, which again can sound overwhelming when you're in that room, especially the farther you're down that spectrum, the more you are towards red, the more myopic you get, the more it's hard to remember there's something outside that. Mm -hmm. And so that, that even that statement can sound, in fact, if you happen to be in that place today, even me saying that can maybe get your hackles up a little bit, like, we don't know what you're talking about. Because we forget that that's true. Um, what are we gonna tell them? Well, let me ask you guys, how's the pacing so far? Are we doing okay, is it too slow, too fast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have like a day's worth of material. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of material. had gone to a th um, to meet with a counselor um, back when I really, really was hitting rock bottom. It was the first counselor I got with. And she had me fill out all this paperwork. Um, and so by the end, we had like five minutes to talk. So she had me then do a depression inventory. And all she said to me was, Nancy, for as much therapy as you've done, you shouldn't be this depressed. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Uh, and she said, come back next Tuesday. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, uh, 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 yeah. Um, 
So I was, yeah, I, I did fire her. She, she was not my therapist <laughs> for more than that one five-minute session. Um, uh, yeah, so what I did do is go and see a different counselor who we sat down with as a couple, and literally within like 15 minutes, I had an understanding of what was happening in my body, that I wasn't just crazy, that I wasn't, um, you know, like down a road that there was no way back. And, um, and it was so empowering to hear that there was an actual physical brain reason why I was doing what I was doing. And, um, and that gave me the hope I needed to be able to get through to the next moment. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And so, okay, well, let's do this then. On the positive note, let's end with where we stopped at the last point, which is a dynamic, right? Is that because this is a really, actually is a super positive thing yeah. to remember, is that no matter where you're at today, yeah. no matter how it feels, I want you to hear this message: is that it can be better, mm-hmm. that it can change. Mm-hmm. There is, is a green space yeah. out there for you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, if you are with somebody who's in that space. Those emotional stress genders go so deep. Yeah. And um, since we're going to split it in two parts, one, one of the things that's, that I've, I've learned about it that was very interesting is that that when we when we hit that happen on those traumatic moments, uh, if you've had one before, you, you think back. <clears throat> the brain normally we're filtering out a ton of stuff around us, right? Mm-hmm. But when we're in those trauma moments, the brain actually has a. a, a I don't know which hormone. It has a hormone that it puts through your brain. Cortisol. Cortisol, thank you. Yeah, that's the name. <laughs> it has cortisol. Cortisol drops through the brain. Almost like if you think about old-time film where they had the film, um, like the, the um, developing fluid that you put the film into and it helped the, all the, the film, actually the images come out in the film. The same thing is true with that cortisol in the brain is it kind of locks in everything in this really fine detail about what's mm-hmm. happening right now. So if you think back to those traumatic moments, you can probably remember everything that was going on in that space. Maybe it was when you heard about somebody that, that died, or maybe it was something tragic you saw happen, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, there's smells you can remember, there's sounds, there's, mm-hmm. there's sights. It's all locked in there, really tight detail. And that gets stored in there in that limbic system, and the limbic system doesn't have a time frame. So what happens is that as we are going through life, then after that, we get if we have scenarios that tap into enough similarity to that mm-hmm. experience, then the limbic system says you're in that again. It doesn't know that there's been three years or twenty years that's passed since then. It's, it still thinks you're in that space, and it is like it gives it all danger sign. Like we mm-hmm. got to get out. So the way that expresses itself in my world of being outside outdoors, and it happens a lot with the first responder community, is that we a lot of us get into it because we love being outside, love hiking, love climbing mountains, whatever. Well, we do this for long enough, and we find that, well, we don't want to go there today because I remember when we had pick up that body, or we don't want to go there because I remember when we had that really severe thing happen. And pretty soon you're like, eh, I don't really even enjoy hiking that much. And you find that people who have been doing it for a long time suddenly don't, don't go hiking anymore, but mine, right? That thing that they loved that was an energy giver, that was a life giver, 
suddenly has all these injuries on it that don't let them actually participate in anymore. And they don't even necessarily realize it. They just mm -hmm. don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And what that translates to in our specific community is that they just stop showing up to, to events, to first, to first responder stuff, to stop doing the search and rescue. They just are like, hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a long time. And what we're discovering is that a lot of times it's because they have these injuries built up that they didn't deal with. Same thing is applied to where you live like too. We have these things, if you're like, eh, I, don't, I used to like doing that, but I don't like doing that anymore. You might just take some time this week and explore whether there's something yeah. that happened with it that you actually, um, is not allowing you to go back into that space again. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's an actual physical geographical space. Um, maybe it's um, a kind of communication. Maybe it's being up front. You had a really bad upfront experience. You're like, I am never going to do that again, right? And maybe it's even one of those things like, I should, and then you never take the opportunity to be up front because it just, your brain kicks in like, nope, that's a bad experience. Mm -hmm. All those things are really important for us to discover. Um, so <coughs> one of the tools, we'll go over it more next week, but one of the tools that has been incredibly helpful for me in my healing journey um, what was, um, so the Bible is full of truth, okay? We, we know it's God's word, right? There's truth. But when you're in heavy and dark places, you don't always have the energy or you just don't even know where to look at times. So what I have done is um, I get these little coupon carriers <laughs> and I fill them up with colored cards. Um, this is just a random thing that I do. Uh, and I write little snippets of scripture that has been incredibly meaningful to me uh, at different times. So um, these are from Hebrews, so I'm just going to read these ones, um, and we can end here. Because uh, the answer to all of our pain is the person of Jesus. You know, He left his place in heaven to become one of us, to live in the dirt and the mess that we all live in, and yet he was without sin. So he knows what our human experience is. So for me to remember that in the midst of ick is really important. So um, this is from Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, Jesus also became flesh and blood. And by being born in human form and being born in human form, for only as a human being could he and only could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Uh, and this is a little bit later, 17 and 18. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And uh, this is in chapter 4. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is always there for us. Whether, whether we can feel him or not is another thing, but um, 
if you're in a dark place, I would talk to me and I'll give you a, a list of scriptures that have been meaningful for me. Um, and, and if not, just go through your own Bible, the areas that you've highlighted, um, and pull them out. And then if it doesn't apply, just keep filtering through until you find the one that speaks to the moment that you're in. And that is a great way to bring the truth of scripture and the light of God into some dark places. Um, and he is always with us. Uh, and we're all together in this beautiful mess called life. So, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Little. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, should we? Let's pray. Yeah. That seems like a church thing to do. <laughs> God, we <clears throat> come to you today and recognize that. There could be people in this room that are in this place of unhealth, in a place of pain, a place of hopelessness, a place of frustration, and maybe are just realizing it today as we talk about this, that their, their behavior has shifted and over time and they hadn't stopped to think about it, God. But we want to come to you and we want to, first of all, recognize who you are as creator, God, as restorer, God, that you come and you are there. You care for each of us. And that no matter how we feel, you are loving us. No matter where we're at in that spectrum, you care about us. And God, I pray that, that people would know that there are people in this room that care about them too, even if they don't feel that right now. And that we are here to walk through life together, the good and the bad. And that we could rejoice with those who are rejoicing and that we could weep with those who are weeping. God, I pray that we would be aware and self-aware to access those places inside of us and to be able to share them with others. God, that you're, this, the piece of you that's in us could reach out and the piece of you that's in somebody else. And Lord, um, we thank you for the opportunity to share some of these thoughts today. And uh, just put them in your hands. I pray that you would use them to 